0: Swing!
1: It's the call up and we have the Dodgers farm system on this wonderful Monday. Jack McMullen, Arm Layton. Jack, this is a loaded system. It's going to be one of those where we're we're cutting it tight for an hour to try to talk about all these guys as much as we should, Uh, but we're trying to keep it under an hour and uh, the Dodgers might be one of our biggest
0: challenges. Dodgers are so good at this. They're so freaking good at this. I mean, they have been forever right you, you talk about the massive payroll and going to get the big guys right when they paid Trevor Bauer like 45 million a year to keep him and then they just handed Clayton Kershaw 17 million dollars like they can go hand out the big contract they can go eat the money and they can go pay the luxury tax penalty but the reality is the Dodgers are one of the best teams in baseball developing their own talent you look at Walker Bueller you look at Julio Urias farther along on the mound you look at Dustin May you look at Tony Gonsolin like they've got guys and then you go to the sticks and you see Will Smith, you see Cody Bellinger, you see, I like the list keeps going. The Dodgers are just so good at this and they've got more guys.
1: I I always say with the Dodgers, because people are always like, Oh, they could just spend and get whoever they want. And I'm like, don't be mistaken. They could trade and get whoever they want. Uh, And that's, that's the craziest part is, is they could go, you throw in one or two big league guys, Gavin Lux or whoever, and then you throw in your prospects they could go get almost any, any attainable player that they want. And that's why I think even Matt Olson is a possibility because they could do that with, with their system still being top 10.
0: Exactly. They just got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner in the same exact deal. And they're still comfortably within the top seven, top eight farm systems in baseball.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way of putting it. Right. And they gave up good prospects. They gave up a guy that was, pretty much in the big leagues already with Josiah Gray. And then they gave up Kiebert Ruiz. And I mean, what those two guys still in this system makes it comfortably top three. Uh, Instead, we see it drop a little bit off. uh, But I mean, this is still probably one of the best systems in baseball and especially the guys at the top. I, I really like, the arms that they've been able to accumulate. They always do that. The bats are really exciting as well. And it's a good balance. I think you look at some of these other systems, you look at Cleveland guardians. uh, When we talk about them, there's a trend you see throughout that system, especially with the position players, which is middle infielders who have bat to ball skills, who then, you know, either have this off the charts makeup that is tangible that you see a lot of people talking about uh, and just, instincts for the game you see that through almost all of their middle infielders uh that's the trend you look at the orioles they've got a lot of bat to ball guys as well uh that they're trying to develop the power with you look at the dodgers a lot of different kinds of prospects and they just kind of go out and get the guys they like but it works
0: yeah you know i mean it works perfectly and I, the dodgers have a lot of flexibility Right now, um, they've got some studs in this system as well. It starts at the top with guys like Bobby Miller and Miguel Vargas. And then you see it in numbers like 25 through 45. Mm -hmm. They've got, you know, 40 good prospects who could be big leaguers. And there are guys that are not sniffing this top 10 that could still break in and be at least platoon guys at the major league level.
1: That's the craziest part, right? Like we're going to talk about the Ryan Notas of the world and and there's a lot of other prospects that are really interesting in that context. It's just absurd how deep they are. So let's get into it. There's, I'm going to start at the top, but you see a lot of different, I would say there's a lot of different perspectives on who the top prospects are in this Dodger system. Uh, But for me, I think it's pretty cut and dry. I love Bobby Miller as the number one guy. And for a little bit of, uh, I guess background on this because we're going to approach it similarly to how we did it with who was it that we did the update with? Was it the Guardians? No, that was a new one. Who do we no, update Kansas City? Kansas City, we updated Kansas City. So we're going to do a similar approach to where we're going to update this Dodgers top prospect list because this was written uh towards the end of last season. Um, not as much to change because it was, I think, towards the end, but there are some adjustments I want to make now that we've done a little bit more digging on some of the other names. Um, And and there's some other guys that might push their way into the top 10, especially after some interesting Arizona fall league performances. Uh, But with Bobby Miller, I just don't see how you could really put anybody else ahead of him. I mean, I guess you could make the case for Diego Cartaya as a young catcher. You could probably make the case for a couple other guys. I love Vargas as well, but I don't think that many people are making the case for him as the top no. guy in this system, you could maybe see some people who are really excited about Andy pot and what he did as just a 20 year old, 21 year old in high a power wise as a reason to have him way up there. But Bobby Miller is just looking like the the next coming of, of Walker Bueller for this Dodgers organization. And look, I know they don't stretch their guys out. I know we need to see Bobby Miller go deeper into starts, but the stuff is just so legit. The profile is great, and the command is is a lot further along than I think a lot of people thought it would be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And before we get any farther with pitchers, let's address what you just said. Dodgers do not stretch their arms out until they get to AAA. Bobby Miller, when he was in high A this year and a little bit of AA at the back end, got into the fifth inning twice. He threw yeah. more than 70 pitches in an outing twice. And that is long. That's not a knock on Bobby. Miller. That's long for a Dodger farmhand on the mound. I saw Clayton beater throw. I saw Landon knack throw. And these guys were not going more than like two and a third innings of work. Like if you got into the third inning, you were guaranteeing that you were reading. This is a call to the bullpen ad read when you're seeing the Great Lakes Loons, Right. Yeah. So Bobby Miller, here's the thing. He gets to the fifth inning with like 55 pitches. That's he what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. That's the thing. You say the command, right? And you've got a 45 grade on command right now. I'd uptick that by five. I'd say yeah. he's got a 50 command with the possibility of 55 or 60 with the future value because he's only hovering around a 5% walk rate. Yeah. No, no. I think you're totally right, honestly. And like, this is, these are
1: some of the small tweaks we're going to make as well. It's not just changing the rankings. It's like slight tweaks to the grades and like for full disclosure, when we make these top prospects, like these top prospects lists, there's definitely areas where I could have been five I, I don't even know what to call it it's not like five points <laughs> what, what what would you call
0: it in that context like I would five, just be super vague around the units like yeah. I might have been five off I might have been yeah yeah off. you just it's gotta like, just say five just, just you five. remember the iCarly episode where it's like how long is this gonna take and it's like oh, I don't know three four yeah, yeah three
1: four what because <laughs> yeah, that was in school where we're taught like assign you know a units. unit to everything. Yes. But, you know, again, we, we undermine a lot of the things that we learn in school. So I think we could have went up five. And, and I think the future value could even be plus in terms of the command. And that's the thing is sometimes they get a chance to circle back and dig more into specific pitchers. And Bobby Miller was one of those where, uh, you know, when I did this write up and I always like to be like fully transparent about how much how much I was able to see of each guy. And when I did this write up, I definitely watched a good deal. Uh, but recently kind of went back and watched full starts top to bottom with Miller. And, and what I realized is, yeah, that commands further along. And the reason why the thing that really stood out to me is that he has the four seamer Jack, and then he has the two seamer and the two seamer really allows him to pitch to contact. So if the secondaries aren't carving dudes up the way he sometimes can, because the slider is nasty, the changeup is really good when he's got a feel for it. And then he can be more of that pitch to contact, get ground balls guy. And it works for him. And he goes two seamer slider and can really ride those two pitches to success that's the cool thing is you can get multiple Bobby Miller's. There's a Bobby Miller. That's going to go four seamer up, change up down and mix in the slider and two seamer whenever, or you can get the Bobby Miller. That's just a lot of two seamer slider and get a lot of ground balls and quickly go deep into starts. And uh, that reminds me a lot of Sandy Alcantara. I, I really think that there's a lot of similarities there between these yeah. two guys, arsenal wise, uh, build wise, six five two twenty, Uh And, honestly miller's further along than alcantara was at this stage in terms of, of of their development age-wise probably pretty similar
0: yeah um you look at bobby miller and this dude is beefier than hell i mean he's, he's a big boy now his thighs you can see it with with the way that his pants fit it's very walker bueller but maybe bigger legs here um i got to see both of bobby miller's i got to see both versions right I got to see the strikeout Bobby Miller, and then I got to see that two-seaman slider, let's get a bunch of ground balls Bobby Miller. Um, The K rate overall, not as high as you would expect with the Mm -hmm. raw stuff, but that's because he went to let's work deep because I know I only get like 60 bullets in my barrel today, Um, so let's get deep into the game. We saw that a lot more than strikeout Bobby Miller, but seeing strikeout Bobby Miller, it's sitting 98, maybe getting up to 99 with a letter-high fastball that runs – and then you drop that wicked slider, and I saw the changeup on there too, and that changeup matched with that high four-seam fastball and the running two-seam fastball is stupid. If he develops a consistent feel for the changeup, that surpasses the slider, and that's one of the best changeups in baseball five years down the road. I'm with you, dude. I I don't know what – I try not to
1: look too much at at, you know all the other grades just because – you got all these different approaches and all these different things. I'm always intrigued by it. I'm always interested in the rankings, but I'm never looking at, oh, what do they have on his changeup? Because I like to try to take my own personal approach to it. Uh, but what's interesting is I, now when I'm looking at it, just before we hop into this, it seems like everybody is is looking at the slider as the best pitch, which is understandable, but that changeup. It's way further along than I thought it would be. The results are there, too, if you look at it statistically. He has the four-seamer. The thing that always concerns me is, okay, you have a two-seamer and you have a change-up. Like good luck separating those those two. They look the same, work, right? Work the same, and people might say, "Oh, that's good." No, not necessarily, because you can kind of shut down anything elevated in the zone. Everything's breaking downwards or tailing downwards. He's got the four seamer, he's got the two seamer, and then has that changeup. I think that changeup is going to continue to play up because of the effectiveness of his four seamer up in the zone. He has the two seamer, which complements the slider. He almost has this perfect arsenal, and he even mixes in that slower curveball to seal strikes. That's why I see the same. Andy Alcantara you don't see Arsenal's that complement each other that well or I guess complements itself that well and is that deep? The build is there, the frame is there. I think the reason why we see I guess uh prospect outlets, I never know what to call them. Like I think the reason why we see a lot of them a little bit lower on him, he's more in the 50 to 60 range for most besides Baseball America who has him at 38, which is around where we're going to have him, is just because we haven't seen him stretched out. But Again, I, we haven't seen him stretched out just because that's the way the Dodgers do it. He could be stretched out no problem at this point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Easy. I think Bobby Miller is a possible frontline guy and adding another frontline guy to this rotation that has Bueller and Arias for the foreseeable future and Clayton Kershaw for one more year. And then after Kershaw is done with his one year deal, he'll probably sign another, but you get Dustin May back from Tommy John. Yeah. Like this rotation is going to have the reinforcements there very, very soon. And it's going to be really good for the next however many years.
1: I'm really interested to see what his timeline looks like, right? Because that's that's the thing with the Dodgers. The timelines are always interesting because of the way they prepare their pitchers for being legitimate starters and having starters workloads. But looking at the number two spot now, Jack, I think this is where it gets interesting because I would argue that probably the consensus would be Diego Cartaya at number two. I love Cartaya. Right now we have him checking in at number three uh, in our top 10. My thing with Cartaya is he's just so far off. I think he's pulling the ball about 58, 60% of the time. Uh, there's some major holes in his approach that I think could get exposed. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't think he's going to be good. It just means there's a wider range of outcomes for him. We have Miguel Vargas at two, and that's a guy that I, I really pitched to you on the uh, Just Baseball show, ironically, pretty recently about a dude that I just think is still just somebody that does not get enough love. I think, you know, he's comfortably a top 100 prospect, but no matter who you ask. But I mean, Vargas is just a well-balanced hitter. We have 55-60 future on the hit tool, 55 raw power, uh, 50-55 to game power. He's an average runner. He's an average defender. He doesn't strike out. He hits the ball for pop now, and he's just, to me, is a can't miss as it gets with an offensive profile.
0: He just hits. Like, he absolutely just hits. He's a fresh 22 years old, just turned 22 in December, I want to say. The only stop he's had with a WRC plus under 110 was like a 20-game stretch. the so, this guy, every spot he's at is just hitting and he's mm-hmm. getting on base and he's hitting the ball into gaps. Sometimes he's hitting the ball over the wall. He's doing that more so this year. And you look at a guy who had a decent amount of pop this year, but also had a 23 game hit streak at one point. Overall, yeah. he hit 320 with an OPS over 900 across low or across high A and double A. He just hits every stop he's at. And with Kartaya, you look at him, yes, 10 bombs in 31 games the sample size is just way 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 bigger for miguel vargas and you struggle to pick out the weaknesses there Cartai is so young so obviously he has weaknesses that you can point to and say yes right there with vargas it's like okay where are they and oh by the way you're only 22 still
1: yeah that's the thing he's only 22 and he's he's already way ahead of schedule as a 21 year old last season to get up to double a after not playing in 2020 i think is incredibly impressive and the numbers in double a i mean He goes up from high A to double A, and they were exactly the same. If anything, they were better. His walk rate jumped by 4%, actually almost 5%. His strikeout rate dropped by 3%, and he put up pretty much the same numbers across the board, 321, 386, 523 slash line in double A. With 16 home runs in 83 games, I mean Vargas isn't a guy that's going to hit the ball 500 feet. He's the kind of guy that is kind of line drives everywhere. Started to generate a much better feel to backspin the baseball, and now we're seeing that lift come into the equation. It's above average raw power still, but the feel to hit is what really allows him to tap into more power. I think he's 20 to 25, could push 30 home runs. You know when he's really locked in there, but he's going to be able to for it with 300. He's going to walk a decent amount and he's not going to strike out. Uh, And and that's why I think he's as high of a floor prospect you're going to find not only in the Dodger system, but in the minor leagues with that bat. The glove is good enough at third. I think, you know, if you have to move him to first, he could do that. The bat would accommodate that. He could probably even accommodate a corner outfield move as well. But I think he's more than fine at the hot corner and could be the next guy up when it's all said and done with Justin Turner. Uh, So I, I think this guy's a big part of the future plans for the Dodgers. And another dude that just has developed really nicely and uh, has turned into a really solid prospect. And another guy that wasn't a really expensive IFA guy, $300,000 in 2017. I can't emphasize enough how much I like playing the percentages with the two $300,000 guys, then going all in on the $5 million guy. And this is just another great example of that.
0: Yeah. Well, the Dodgers can do both because they have a lot of money. So they can go get a Miguel Vargas, who is that lottery ticket at 300 grand and 300 grand is like, you know, you're getting a really skilled player. You know, you see a lot of guys that sign for about 20 to $30,000 and those are the real lottery tickets that might be so far off, but you know, maybe they develop into something. It's diamonds of the rough. Like think of it as like a a 25th round pick or a 30th round pick when you pay, you know, a little less than half a million dollars for a guy, think of it like a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick. Wouldn't you rather have five fourth round picks then one first round pick and don't pick again until the fifteenth round. Yes, um, but the Dodgers can do both, yeah. um, and they signed Diego Cartaya for a lot of money. Oh, oh yeah, and, and that's who
1: we'll move on to next. The last thing I'll say on Vargas: against fastballs, three oh seven; breaking balls, three twenty three; change ups, three twenty seven. Uh, that's all hits. you need to. That's all you need to know. There, the guy just freaking hits. Um, Diego Cartaya is is another guy though that I think people really like. There is an impact. I don't care what any of these prospects analysts say. And, and I catch myself in it a little bit too. And I try to be really honest about it. And uh, That's why I don't like to look at the IFA amounts until I'm filling in their information afterwards, after I do the whole write-up. I generally don't like to know the, uh, the international free agency amount. Um, usually I'll know what round they were picked in, but a lot of times I won't know the exact dollar amount of the IFA signing. He was a two point five million dollar guy, and uh, that typically gives guys a little bit more uh, survive, uh, more of a survival rate. I think when it comes to or a longer duration of survival when it comes to their prospect rankings, we see guys just much, I would say, slower to be dropped uh, when we see struggles from these multi million dollar international free agents. Not the case with Cartaya because he's been great so far, but I feel like it's also a confirmation bias when guys like Cartaya perform like boom. That's why he was a $2.5 million guy. Um, And, you know, I I think Cartaya has a lot of things going for him. No doubt about it. He is really polished behind the dish in terms of his way of hand, like ability to handle and call a game, his defensive ability, the offensive upside is huge. He's got potentially plus raw power. We've already seen him tap into it with the 10 home runs and 30 something games, like you said, but there's some major holes in his swing that I know will be exposed in high A, and that's what I'm a little bit nervous to eventually see. Cartaya was banged up, missed a lot of time last year, which I think we would have ended up seeing that. Uh, but when it's all said and done, Cartaya could end up being one of the better catching prospects in baseball very soon. He's just got to iron out some things offensively, which I'll get into. But, I mean, the upside here is is crazy.
0: When you say teams are slower to hop off of their high, you know, a high dollar amount free agent signings in international free agency, who were you talking to? Who are you subtweeting? I, because I, when you were saying that stuff, I was thinking about two guys. I was thinking about and Antuna with the Nationals. Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking about Victor, Victor Mesa with the
1: <laughs> Victor, Victor, bro. Oh, God, was that a whiff? Um, he, he's swinging it right now at camp, actually. I might go see him later today. Um, right. yeah, really excited. Um, yeah. I mean, and and even like just the pre playing hype, you know, we see with like Jason Dominguez where the guy hasn't played yet. And there's this major hype when a big team spends big money. Uh, yeah. Victor Victor is a big one, <laughs> a big one, because I, I had up until midway through last year, Marlins fans still pushing back on, on my assessment of him. I'm like, I'm just telling you what it is. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing else in there. Um, there, There's a few other guys that I could probably come up with off the top of my head. But yeah, there's just so many of those IFA guys. It's such a crap shoot. Cartaya, I don't think it's going to be that problem because he is a really polished. Most of those IFA guys are tools ahead of, ahead of Polish. When it comes to the defensive side, I things, Cartaya is way further along. than I think anybody would expect from a teenage, now 20 year old catching prospect. Offensively, he is pull side everything leaks out uh, looking to try to crush everything middle in. And when he gets the hard slider, he is off of that, right? Like he is yanking off of it. It is under his barrel, or he is out and around it. Uh, The numbers against the slider were not good and they're going to be bad in, in high a, I think he's going to see a lot more sliders and elevated heaters and he's going to have to work through that. We saw the power with the 10 home runs uh, in not that many games. We saw the defensive ability. The upside is there, but I think people are a little bit too excited about the timeline. He's not going to be up there by 2023. It's going to be 2024 at the earliest. Uh, but I mean, again, this guy
0: could be all
1: around really special.
0: And he looks like a big league catcher. He's 6'3", 220 already, and he's a young 20-year-old. Like, that's that's what you're getting with Cartay. He's going to come up. He's going to look like a major league catcher. Uh, and there is a strong possibility that if he irons out the weaknesses in his swing, he will become a top 10 catcher in baseball pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I'm really excited to see this. That's one of those guys that just not enough sample size, as you mentioned. We see him this year. Like his upside's higher than Miguel Vargas, right? But it's he also has not proven a fraction of what Miguel Vargas has proven right. now in the upper level. A much levels lower floor. Liners. Exactly. And that's what comes into prospect rankings. Like that's part prospect rankings in a nutshell balancing ceiling versus floor. And how do you rank these two guys against each other? I think you got to go Vargas ahead of him because Vargas just, you you know, you're getting a big leaguer at this point. Cartaya could never figure out how to hit the slider uh, and and could never figure out how to use the whole field and maybe that never gets up there. I would not bet on that, but that's just kind of an example of why I think these guys are a little bit just, just in different spots here. So, so far, would you kind of agree with that one, two, three still?
0: Yes, uh, Miller, Vargas, Cartaya. Yes,
1: I do. So then that comes in at four here at Andy, Andy Pajes, who you saw a good bit of, right? And I remember texting you about him and being like, you know, what's your thoughts on this guy? And you're like, I haven't seen much yet. Like, we'll see. And then I think you texted me a few weeks later, you you got another series of him and you're like, he's, he's for real. Uh, This guy can play. Uh, Can can you talk about what kind of happened there for you to have that shift?
0: he's clean like he is a um game works slow for him as a 21 year old and you have him listed at six one two twelve he's heavier than two twelve yeah he definitely i mean he's he's got beef on there it's it's muscle it's bulk yeah i think it's a little bit of everything on pajes right now he (laughs) still moves relatively well he's pretty fast He's pretty fast. He looks a lot like Jock Peterson, where it's like, you shouldn't be as good a defender as you are, but you are a really good defender. Like that's that's what Pahez is. I saw him play a little bit of center field. He's not a center fielder. He's a right or left fielder, but he's going to be a really good corner outfielder. And the pop that this guy has, you have 55 of the 60 future value on raw power. Um, and I think that's spot on. I think you could even go 60 to 65. I think yeah, this guy could be. Yeah. Right. As a corner outfielder, He's got the juice. I think if he sells out for a little bit more power, he's there. Hit a lot more doubles than I was expecting him to this year. But the reality is this guy, I saw him put so many good swings on baseballs, and I didn't see many bad swings. And as a 20-year-old in high A, that's super impressive.
1: Yeah, and again, no 2020. That's a guy that hadn't played above rookie ball. So he skips the whole low A show, goes straight to high A, and was good. I mean, you, you can talk about the K rate. I don't really care about it. Uh, because one, I actually don't even think it was that high, given it was 25%, how much you lost. It's fine. It's fine when you're hitting 31 jacks and that's a team that or I guess that's a guy that when you're game planning for that high A team, especially when Vargas was gone, I mean, Ties is the guy you're game planning for, right? That's the guy you're saying, okay, we're not giving him a heater. Uh, we're going to go do him with this or that or whatever. So he already started to see more junk as the season went on. And what's crazy is actually his discipline got better and better as the season went on. He became a guy that actually didn't chase as much. The K rate steadily decreased and, The zone contact percentage is actually above average, which I wouldn't expect from a guy that, like you said, sells out on occasion. We see him sell out. But I think the fact that he is still able to make the amount of contact that he does shows that he is starting to learn that he can pick the right spots to sell out. He demolishes fastballs. He stays back on breaking balls well enough. The body control is there. He's a good athlete that I think you can see that athleticism in the box. And if I'm not mistaken, another guy that wasn't a very – expensive international free agent. I think he was another $300,000 guy. Yeah, um, so talk about playing the percentages, uh, 31 home runs, 265, 395, 4, 539 slash line. The one thing I do want to see though, um, is I could see that aggressive. He's somewhat aggressive. You think he, he it, it's masked at times when you're in a high A and guys don't have great command. I'm curious to see what the, walk rate looks like in double a I and mean, we've seen guys with 12 13 14 walk rates in high a have that thing cut in half real quick uh so i want to see him be patient i want to see what that approach looks like but overall i mean to, the, the the power is legit and when he gets a hold of it it's crazy and he lifts the ball he's he's looking to put it in the air which i'm cool with i'm totally cool with that he's not a guy that's going to roll over very often
0: hundred percent um and listen regardless of what the K or what the walk rate looks like in AA in high A in 130 point jump in OBP from batting average is an 130 point jump like that is very impressive that shows that you are mature beyond your years if you're doing that as a 20 year old in high A and that's what Pajes was doing you see a lot of bad pitches in high A a lot of guys swing at bad pitches Pajes was not necessarily swinging at bad pitches and the amount of times that I saw him go and meet the best fastball from a pitcher and absolutely drill it was so often you said he demolishes fastballs. I don't know the velo numbers. I guarantee you this guy has zero issue with velo.
1: No, zero none. Cause he doesn't move. He's another one of those guys. He's kind of similar to oh, when you look at Vargas, I love both those guys is both their swings because they don't move. That's effortless power where there's not everything that they have going on pre swing, whatever it may be. By the time they are swinging, like they are swinging off that back leg. There's not a lot of movement. There's no forward movement. And they can keep themselves back if they're fooled, if there's a tough pitch. And he also toned down his whole pre-swing movement as well. Vargas is as quiet as it gets. He quieted things down a ton. And I think we saw the same thing with Pajes. Both those guys, they have figured out their swings. And it's more about approach. I think Vargas already figured it out. And I think Pajes is going to continue to iron out that approach and be a really, really good ball player. That's a guy I'm looking at. Jack, would you be surprised if he's a top 30 prospect in baseball
0: by next year's end? No, absolutely not. If he keeps the walk rate where it is in double A or it drops, but not past 10 percent. Like I think if this guy has an 100 point jump from batting average to OBP and he's still pumping out 25 to 30 bombs in Tulsa next year. He's a top 30 prospect in baseball because of how good the tools are and how mature the approach is at such a young age. Did you see him throw
1: at all? Yeah. He's got an arm. He's got an arm, dude. Too. I was gonna say, well, what's what's the word on the arm? Because you know that's the one where I I did outsource. I didn't get. I saw some throws, but I, I don't like to. I hate grading outfield arms unless I'm in person. There's just like a different level of carry that you want to be able to see in person. So that's why we don't really do like outfield arm grades. I'll say if I think he has a big arm. That's a guy that I'm seeing consensus plus to plus plus grades on the arm. What did you yeah. see there from that from that rocket? I saw
0: a possible really good right field big league arm um and that's awesome and above yeah he can run yeah if you've got a big body that's rangy that can hit for power that right field now demands and you have a good arm i think he can be the right fielder for the la dodgers in two years does that sound like aaron judge a little bit uh yes he's obviously not the goliath bill that judge is i know he doesn't look like rob gronkowski um but you know what? It is um it's Jack Peterson. I'm telling it's Jack Peterson with a little bit more bat to ball. Okay. Yeah, because I, I look at it like okay, yeah, he's
1: not as big as him, but the the production could be kind of similar. I, I don't think he's hitting fifty-two in his first season, but I'm talking about like the last couple of years, thirty to thirty-five, surprisingly decent in the 260, 360, 370 kind of range, uh five forty <laughs> slash line. It could be there. I don't think he's going to be Aaron judge, but I think that's kind of the dream.
0: That is the dream.
1: If you, if you were to dream on Pajes, it looks like judge. Yes, that's, that's the dream. And I think Jock Peterson is a more likely outcome with more, with more ability. And the tough part with the, with a Peterson comp always for me is that he can't hit lefties. So it's like, we're not saying he can't hit lefties. I guess we're saying he's Jock Peterson against righties like at all times, kind of, which (laughs) is fringe all-star. Yeah, which is legit fringe all-star. Coming in at number five is Ryan Pepiot, who that's another guy that, you know, I. this is where things get really, really tough. I think the top four was really easy Uh, ranking-wise. I've seen Pepiot higher. The command is the question for me. He's got your typical Bugs Bunny change-up at 88 miles an hour, which is the the plus-plus pitch. The fastball is nasty uh, with tons of life at 96 to 97 miles an hour. 24 to 2,500 RPMs and crazy arm side run. Um, I've talked to some minor league guys, Jack, this simple. I talked to guys in, in the amount of times I've heard Ryan Pepiot oh, was my most difficult AB, uh, at least a handful, at least a handful from upper level minor league guys who I think are phenomenal hitters. He's disgusting, but uh, like, is he, is he sticking in a rotation? Is he starting? That's the question. That's what kind of impacts the ranking here.
0: And my answer is no at the moment. Can he change my mind? Sure, absolutely. And do I love the fastball changeup combo from a starter? Yeah, Marco Estrada with an 88-mile-an-hour fastball survived like 12 years in Major League Baseball. This guy's 97 with an 88-mile-an-hour changeup. That's yeah. so much better than Estrada already. And this changeup comes up, and it's already the best changeup on the Dodgers. So, like, Pepe, here's the thing with Pepio. The ERA across, like, 40 innings in AAA was really high. Yeah. Because he couldn't throw strikes. And there were times where the only chance he had to throw strikes was to shelve command entirely and just go with control. And it's like, okay, I got to throw my fastball over the plate. And then I change up over the plate and hope guys don't barrel it. And in A, guys barrel that because they are a step away from Major League Baseball. I need to see him be successful in AAA as a starter and go five innings, six innings for me to think that he can be a big league starter. Because right now, I just think he can be a really good reliever. I'm with you.
1: I'm with you. I, I think there's still hope, of course, but y- you hit the nail on the head. I mean, he had 21 walks in 42 and two thirds innings, 12 bombs as well. <laughs> and this is a yeah, guy that I'm telling you,
0: when when you don't have command, you have to just go with control. And when you go with control, you're leaving letter high, or not letter high, you're leaving belt high fastballs, middle, middle, and guys are going to send that to the moon in AAA. I mean,
1: we saw it with Hunter Green. Hunter Green was giving up bombs to quadruple A guys um, because he was leaving 102 up. Even quadruple A guys, if they know 102 up is coming, they're going to hit 102 elevated. They'll make it happen. And that's kind of what we saw with Pepiot. I think what, what's interesting about him, though, is the fastball changeup combinations enough to make him a legit lights, lights out that. back end reliever. Uh, he's still relatively young at 24 years old. Or he'll probably start the year in AAA, continue to work through some of those things, work through the command issues. And we'll see if he can develop that slider a little bit more as that third pitch. To me, fastball changeup, Fernando Rodney type of back end reliever, uh, I think is what we could see. Um, which makes it kind of hard to rank him ahead of certain guys at this point. And I, I, there's a scenario, I think, in this update where we're lower on him than than others. He's a guy that seems like he's in a lot of top 100 lists. For me, I, I don't know if he cracks our top 100, frankly. And I'm looking at the Michael Bushes. I'm looking at the Eddie's Leonards of the world. And and I think they might have him beat in this top
0: 10 update. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Didn't you just sign with Boris as well during the yeah. lockout? Yeah, he did sign with Boris. I think Pepio's a Boris guy. Um Boris guy. yeah, I'm I'm thinking, you know, like if you were to change one thing, if you only had one bullet that you could change in this top 10, I think it would be flipping 5 and 6. I think Michael Bush is a better prospect than Ryan Pepio. Uh, I I agree at this point. Um just because what you can what you're going to get out of Michael Bush, which
1: is I think a really high floor power bat who's going to get on base at a good clip. I always talk about how how Michael Bush reminds me a bit of of Max Muncy. He's like a Max Muncy light because he can hit for power from the left side. He can play second base and first base. Um, you know, I think I would say Muncie's a little bit better defensively uh, and obviously has more offensive upside. But there's like a, a Max Muncy light here. Bush is super patient at the plate, is going to walk a ton. And I, I really do believe in the power. He's he's going to be a good piece for them. I think he can be big league ready this coming year. Whereas if Pepe is limited to a reliever, he's got to be like a lights out closer to match what you're going to get out of Michael Bush in the war department um, with what he's able to do. So, yeah, I, I think we're flip flopping Bush and Pepe out in this update.
0: Call me crazy. um, I think the same way that Yankee fans were dreaming on Didi Gregorius hitting from the left side is the same way that Dodgers fans can dream on Michael Bush hitting from the left side where you can pull this shit out of the ball and hit it to the moon, but you can also spray it around a teensy bit. Didi never truly panned out in that mold. I think Bush can truly pan out in that mold. He can be that sturdy, everyday second baseman that pumps 20 to 25 bombs out.
1: I, I agree. And and he can also, you know, like, he's a guy that even when he's not swinging it, is going to get on base at a good clip. He is so patient. Uh, like, people look at the strikeout rate, right? Strikeout rates just because he goes so deep in counts. <laughs> he's just super patient. I think that's something that it, it's a, it's a line to toe. He doesn't chase very much, honestly. Um, and that's something that I think he's going to see a lot of pitches. He's going to get his, and he's going to be able to hit you for power. I think he's going to be a great I, – I, I wish he could play a little bit of third. That was something I think that would really change, but a lot of things in his outlook. But like you said, the, the floor is so high offensively. He's already proven that he can swing it. Uh, in the upper levels this is a dude that's going to be up and I think can help them pretty soon. And I wonder if he's somebody that's expendable or if we see that make one of their middle infielders expendable at the big league level should be very interesting because they also have guys like Eddie's Leonard, who I think is also in this conversation as well is um, potentially being able to slot into this spot uh, as a top prospect, top six prospect in the system as well. What, what do you think there? Because that's a name that's not on this list entirely that I think is starting to pick up a lot of steam.
0: Yeah, I saw him thrash in, in low A and high A. I mean, Edis Leonard was very, very good this year. And he's got good bat to ball. He's got good pop. He's a middle infielder. I, my question for Andrew Friedman would be, Gavin Lux, Michael Bush, Edis Leonard, trade one of them. Who are you trading? And I think the answer is Lux right now. Yeah, it is. It is. But is Lux? I don't
1: even know if teams want Lux as much as they'd want Leonard at this point.
0: Is that crazy to say? It's tough. Um, I don't know because like you and I, I think are both out on Lux, right?
1: Yeah. I think he can be an okay regular. Like I think he can be, he can be an above average regular if he can figure out how to hit lefties. He's fast. He's versatile. But he's not your everyday shortstop that was one time the hope.
0: Lux had, what, it was a 30-homer season in Oklahoma City. In yeah, AAA, he he feasted say. in the in, in the PCL, right? He feasted. Absolutely feasted. But it doesn't look like he can feast anymore, and we don't know what he's going to be defensively. Yeah. Leonard plays fine defense. He had a 145 WRC plus in 66 games in the low A, he comes up, plays 41 games in high A. Wouldn't you know, he had a 145 WRC+. The level's not the problem with Leonard. Nothing's the problem with Leonard right now. It is a matter of time. If he comes up, if he starts the year either in high A again or in double A, and it hits to a 145 WRC+, then you got to dump Lux because you've got Bush knocking on the door and you've got Leonard looking like the second baseman of the future.
1: Yep. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I I think at some point you got to start looking at that. And um, especially just because you're going to have Vargas as another infielder potentially as well. Like they've got, they've got enough dudes in the infield. Uh, I I think that there's a chance we see Lux get dumped. And uh, I just, I think it's going to have to be the right spot. Somebody else that's not too far away is your Vivas who could also play second base and third base. So, so they have, they have plenty of infielders that I think are in the fold at this point point. That are all going to be double A or midseason double A and climbing from there in terms of their trajectory and their development. I, the last thing I'll say on Leonard is I mean, y- you look at the the promotion from low A to high A, which is a big one for young players. Strikeout rate drops by about a, a percent and change. Uh, the the contact rate jumped, the power was consistent. Is this a guy that should be up there instead of instead of Michael Bush? Or if not, is he ahead of pepeo as well?
0: He could be ahead of Pepio. Um, Not ahead of Bush yet. I think if I had final say, I would go Bush 5, Leonard 6, Pepeo 7. It's going to be
1: something like that. And I, I think it's probably going to be that, frankly. I, I think I agree. Um, I, I try to poke some holes in Bush. The only the only hole I can really push poke is to defensively. Uh, but I think he's good enough to to be able to hold his own. And, you know, if you have to move him to first, you move him to first, the bat's going to translate there. Leonard's upside is way higher, but I mean, we could also see him struggle at the double-A level and that kind of shifts things. And we're like, okay, well, we already know that Michael Bush can swing in a double-A. So yeah. I think that's kind of one of the things that's holding it back. But the more I watch of Leonard, because that's a guy I have just not seen as much of, there's a chance that I, I watch more of him as we continue to, to make the final say on some of these updates. And I end up, liking him a little bit more than Bush. I think it's more about just assessing what the risk looks like, right?
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think defensively, the ceiling is higher for Leonard, but right now I'm not ready to say that Eddie's Leonard is objectively a better defender than Michael Bush is right now. No, and we got to see, we got to see He probably
1: will be, but you know, we obviously have to see that. So I think that's something definitely to follow. Uh, Again, it gets interesting. Clayton beater versus Landon knack. Uh, Ultimately, what side what leads me to side with Landon Knack at the next spot is the fact that, which would be eight, is that Landon Knack just throws strikes. He's going to stick in a rotation. I, I really have no doubt that. Like Landon Knack is as safe of a bet, as you're going to find in this system, uh, to stick in a rotation. Uh, whereas Clayton Beater screams reliever to me. Knack's got a good fastball. He's got an above-average slider. And he's got an above-average changeup. And he's got solid command. <laughs> like He's, he's not going to ever be an ace. But I, I would almost surely say that he is going to be a middle of the rotation to back end of the rotation starter. And that's just more valuable than a reliever.
0: Yeah. So again, with starting pitchers, um, you don't see much at the lower levels with the Dodgers. I saw beater and knack throw multiple times this year beater. It was always, wow, this guy certainly has something here. But you don't really get to see it on full display because it's like, OK, yeah, like I see the fastball in spots. I see the slider in spots like great. Awesome. Um, yeah, for sure. Like he's he's a good college arm that, you know, can develop more with knack. I'm looking at it. And I'm like, oh, wow, this guy's outperforming the level at times. Um, and it's throwing every pitch for strikes. Can every I, use, pitch can the I use the
1: word? What, what no. word am I going to use, Jack? Uh, pitchability bang right there we go like this
0: is this is pitchability right here it is i mean you've got 55 fastball 55 slider change up 50 to 55 like he's got a three pitch mix and all three of them work yeah it's 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 just that simple sometimes and
1: it's it's a good fastball though it's not like he's throwing 91 92 uh this isn't nick niter i mean this is a guy that's thrown 94 to, to 96 grabbing a seven um the sliders in the mid eighties with, with good movement. Uh, the changeup is in the low eighties and, and has an interesting profile too. And all of them were effective. I want to see him stretched out, but there's no reason to believe that he will not kind of like Bobby Miller, that he will not succeed when stretched out. Like it, it has nothing to do with his ability. The one thing I want to see on the heater is that he likes to run it up. And, and that's why, you know, his changeup is a really good, really solid changeup. And that's how he sets it up at times leaves it over the middle. Uh, guys know it's coming. That was the pitch he got burned on for the most home runs. I want to see how that continues to develop. Uh, but assuming he just continues to get better at hitting his spots, I mean, Landon, that can play. I think he's kind of a no-brainer ahead of Beater, in my opinion, even though Beater's stuff is freaking ridiculous.
0: It is. Um, you know, I to, to simplify it as far as I possibly can, without sounding like a Neanderthal, um, there have been times over the last you know, however many years, I think since, since 2018, I was out on the half inning of a pitcher where they get three outs innings over and I'll take the headset off and I'll say, Whoa, that was good. Um, like this kid's really good on the Cape. I did it with George Kirby. That was the only guy I did it on the Cape with Kirby closed out a game. And I was like, Holy shit. This kid is really good. <laughs> Um, in low way, I did it with Jackson Rutledge. I was like, Oh my God, like there are half innings here where it looks like he is better than anybody else he on the field. Sh- he shocked me with his struggles. I think he's still going to be good. He's still going to be good. Um, knack did it to me. Bobby Miller did it to me this year. That was kind of it. There you go. I mean, I, and that,
1: that says something like I, I, that really does say something. Cause there is just that instinctual, just like this guy can throw, um, and, and, you know, when I was on the Cape offensively, it was yeah, after a couple games, seeing Nick Gonzalez, I was a guy that I just was like, okay, this guy's going to just put on a show this whole summer. I would, I had no doubt. I would have put, I would have taken a minus 500 bet after watching three games of Nick Gonzalez that he would have won Cape player of the year. Like there's yeah, just same certain with guys. Torque. Yeah. Same with same Torque. With Torque for me. Same with Torque. I, he, I was blessed. I got to see, I didn't get to see him as much as you, but I was blessed. I got to see him for a couple games in in uh, Chatham. And you just see the way he commands an at bat. There's just certain guys. Same thing on the mound. It, when they're at a level that either they're equal in age or even younger, and there's just this level of of you use the word moxie sometimes, but like just the way they command the the environment or the mound or the or, or the at bat, you can just tell they're just. It's basically their their way of just kind of whipping their, you know, what out and saying I'm better than all of you. And you can just kind of feel it. It's palpable. Um, and, and I think that that's just sometimes hard to put that into prospect rankings, but it matters. Um, and that's where the just kind of the feel part of this whole thing goes into it. Uh, but beater real quick, just to, just talk about him because he's still a guy that I think he's someone that could probably skip up really quickly if they decide to say, Hey, Hey, this guy's definitely just a reliever. Uh, let's, let's just start fast tracking him up here. Uh, He could be a really nasty one for them. I think in short spurts can reach up to 96, 97, touch a 98. The slider is and curveball are outrageously gross. The curveball, the better pitch really just bites, falls off the table. Uh, The problem is when you have a curveball that breaks that much, it's hard to throw it for a strike. uh, And he's forced to locate the slider and the fastball a bit more. It doesn't go to the slider that much. And the fastball is lively, but as we know, you can't just go to fastball too heavily. It's got that rising action. I think mean, he's going to be a nasty back and he could end up being a really good closer. I really think beater could end up being a closer. I have more hope in Pepe out sticking in a rotation. I think beaters all but relegated to the bullpen. I hate to say relegated. Cause he's going to be really darn good. there. struck out 36% of hitters between high A and double A. The stuff is just that good.
0: Yeah. It's just, what do you value more, right? A high end four, middle end three or a good setup guy. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's the former. It's absolutely
1: the former. Um, So going into number nine here, this is an interesting guy because I think he's well, when he's old, uh, relatively old, he's 25, Andre Jackson going on 26, but Jackson's really interesting to me as a swing man type that can do a little bit of everything. I think has the floor of a good reliever, but right now he's, he's towing the line with his arsenal. I think if he goes to being a reliever, it's gonna be a little bit more focusing on two pitches right now. He's got four that all show average or better, but I don't think he knows what he trusts and what which pitches he really wants to work with the most. I personally like the fastball and the changeup the most. He's mixed in a cutter. He's mixed in a curveball. Uh, We saw him in certain spots stretched out a little bit even at the big league level. We also saw him relieve at times at the big league level. He was really good in the lower minor or in Double A last year. Struggled a bit in Triple A. Struggled a bit in the majors. He's a tough case
0: he's tough uh if you were to play the role of dave roberts and look at andre jackson what do you see i see a
1: really athletic pitcher with a ton of potential that i think is still trying to figure out exactly what he is right like i almost want to see him try it as a starter because i think the arsenal could could work i see a swingman here though really i do if he can if he can adapt to that role i see a swingman. i see middle relief stretch him out for three or four i see a spot starter that can give you a good five innings and i could see a guy that you, you throw out there in the sixth or seventh for an inning and, and can be effective in higher effort situations we can see him running up to the mid 90s with, with good life he has that change up that really looks good when he's got it going i think he can do a little bit of everything
0: when i tell you i'm so happy that the swingman is coming back to baseball it's much needed it's, it's much needed. needed. Oh my God, you Smirrill Petit was so fun, and now you've got swing men that can throw ninety nine.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the difference. You have swing men that aren't just oh, it's because he's not good enough to be a back end reliever, and he's not good enough to sit in the rotation. It's like oh, he could probably focus on one of those things and be good enough at it. But we actually value this role, and uh, I-, I think that's what it can be. I, I don't know if he's going to miss enough bats as that stretched out starter to be an everyday guy but when you put him in short spurts and he can just ride that fastball changeup, it's, it's pretty darn good. I don't, just don't know how much faith I have in the cutter. I, I like him as a swingman. I, I, what, what are you thinking here with him? I, I think that's kind of the role. Does that make him a top 10 guy in this system? He might be someone that gets the, gets the uh, push out here. Probably.
0: Yeah. He could get the bump. Um, I think if I'm Dave Roberts and my starter goes five, I go in through the nose, out through the mouth. I've got a really solid option to bridge the gap to the eighth. Six and seven are Andre Jackson's. If I'm operating with a three-run lead, we'll keep it at at least two. Um, Hopefully the offense can add a little bit. And then eighth and ninth, we can get to our back end guys. I think that's what Andre Jackson is. I think he's a two-winning reliever that is pretty solid and a pretty comfortable option. And if you have to spot start that guy, you're not, you're not mailing it in. You know,
1: this isn't just, this isn't throwing up, you know, Vince Velasquez, like the, like the Padres were like, this guy could go could sit in your rotation for a few weeks or a month or two uh, when, you know, your other dudes are, are out and, could be really fine, like could give you a nice four something ERA and give you competitive starts. And with a good offense, gives you a shot to win. Jackson's a guy that I could see get traded to another team in a package because they want to try him out as a starter because he has that much intrigue. I mean, he was phenomenal in double A, the five ERA and triple A. It's difficult. I mean, you look at what Pepe Oat did. You look at what some of these other guys, how they struggled. It was six home runs and 26 innings that really burned him. Uh, he got the swings and misses. He was still fine. Oklahoma city is a tough place to pitch. It's a good place to hit as Gavin luck showed us. Uh, and, and I think that was a little bit of, of the case there. Jackson's a good arm. We'll see if he gets bounced from the top 10. He's right on the edge, but he's still a really solid arm. And I'm a big fan of his, uh, we have at number 10 here, Luis Rodriguez, and I'm not going to pretend like we know a ton about him because it's, it's really just whatever you find on YouTube, but this is prime example. When you asked me, who am I thinking about? How about this guy in terms of $2.7 million dollars, an international free agency. And Jack, we do card segments on, on this podcast. Usually it's on the Friday episode. Just a quick little teaser of a card segment. I look at eBay, what these Luis Rodriguez cards are going for on there. His cards are going for the same amount as many top 100 prospects. I think his cards might even be going for more than Andy Pajes. Like, Talk about the the impact of multi-million dollar IFA guy.
0: Like here's the yeah. exhibit a. I don't I I really don't know much about this guy, to be totally honest. No, no, um, no nobody does. And anyone right. who tells me they do, they're
1: lying. So, right. like, the, the reason why I'm bringing him up is like, OK, I'm willing to rank him 10 or in an honorable mention because he's a two point seven million dollar guy that the Dodgers picked out. Uh, he, he showed some decent skills. Uh, in terms of tools, like he, he's one of those guys that in the early going looks like 50 to fifty fives across the board, but he doesn't excel at anything specifically. There's pressure on the hit tool for that reason. We don't know what the hit tool is going to completely look like. And people are shelling out 350 dollars for his card blows my freaking mind on that side of things. I will say that on the baseball card side of things. What are we doing? We we're talking about that on Cardboard Consultants. Uh, you know, the other show that I host with our guys uh, at Wild Cards Trading. Uh, and T and Kendall and I, I we we're like, dude, I, I could go get like a really good prospect, <laughs> like a really solid prospect for the amount of money that people are putting up for Luis Rodriguez. Look, if Rodriguez ends up being a top fifty prospect in baseball, I wouldn't be surprised because he was a two point seven million dollar IFA guy. But there's no reason for us to to put him above any of the guys we just talked about because we haven't seen enough, and we are not going to go off of dollar amounts. We've Made that very clear. We're not ranking prospects on dollar amounts because if history has shown us anything, dollars don't always translate to success.
0: Yeah, but doesn't it seem like he's he's the number 10 prospect in the Dodgers system right now just because the Dodgers handpicked him and it's like, okay, we're willing to shell for this guy.
1: That's literally the only reason.
0: There's That's the, the, only the reason.
1: singular only reason. I do like his swing. But I like I like a lot of people swings, (laughs) you know, like that's not that's only so much of the equation. Um, And he wasn't that great in rookie ball, 216, 326, 367 slash line, 31 percent K rate. I don't put a lot of stock into that stuff, but I mean, it it doesn't help Uh, a few other guys. I know the honorable mentions. This is where you thrive. This is is where where Jack this is where Jack McMullen flexes his muscles. I have one honorable mention that I told you about before we recorded that you didn't know, which I'm pumped about. It was because he's an upper level guy already that you didn't cross paths with that rakes and Ryan Noda. We'll get to him. I'm just going to give you the floor for your boy, Hyun Il Choi, who was the minor league pitcher of the year for the Dodgers, which is high praise because, I mean, the Dodgers have good arms. Hyun
0: Il Choi, Jack. South Korean-born right-hander. I think he's only 22 years old still. He's got some time. He sits in the low 90s with his fastball. He can run it up to 94. He's got a hard-breaking ball. It's like a slider-curveball type. It's got a little bit more of that vertical drop, but you know, slider-type development. Um, he's got a good change-up. He's just got so much command. You talk about pitchability. I mean, this guy did not walk anybody in low A. He comes up to high A. Uh, his high A debut came against Fort Wayne, and I watched him. And I I want to say he threw eighty four pitches, seventy one were strikes. I
1: remember he you texting me. Young. I
0: remember you yeah. texting me after that. I texted. I was like, buy all the stock right now. Like, cards, <laughs> like you want a card? Like, go get Hionel. He's got cards. Like he's
1: got cards. People were very hesitant to pit, to to invest in pitchers, but Hyunil Troy. Like the thing is, you can get his cards for like like probably a couple bucks. And he he's if he's a big league arm. He's going to hang around. I think he's going to hang around. Right? The question is, is he going to miss enough bats, Jack? This is a three-pitch pitchability guy as well, but the three pitches are not as good as as Landon Max.
0: Okay, correct, but he doesn't miss his spots. It, that that's So it's all on the command. It's all on the command. I don't see the command going anywhere with a guy that is as mechanically consistent as him. I mean, I could overlay all 84 pitches he threw in that outing, and, and he looks identical. yeah eighty four I mean, that's huge. that's huge. And um that's a guy that they've been a little
1: bit more eager to stretch out, right? Like they're okay stretching him out a little bit because
0: more. he doesn't miss the zone.
1: They're like, yeah. okay, if you're gonna throw seventy pitches, that's seven innings. yeah, and you know what he was ninety one to ninety three. Uh, yeah, I mean, if he can tick up to ninety two ninety four, that'll play. the slider is eighty two to eighty five. he He has the change up in the low 80 s as well. I'd like to see a little bit more separation. Uh, or at least mix in a curveball a little bit more um, just to steal strikes and give that other look. Cause I think a guy like him, he's got to give you a fourth look every once in a while. He's got to, he's got to mix things up a little bit. He's got to sprinkle in a little bit of chaos to be successful. Uh, But I think he's going to do that. He seems like a very cerebral pitcher and he's in the right environment to help him kind of unlock everything back end starter and, and could be a very solid one. And incredibly high floor. You want to know something disgusting. We haven't even talked about yet. We went through top ten prospects, some honorable mentions, and whatever. We haven't even talked about the 2021 first round pick by the by the LA Dodgers in Maddox Bruns. Yeah, that's how ridiculous this system is. Maddox Bruns was the Alabama Gatorade Player of the Year in high school. I mean, nasty stuff from the left side. Another athletic pitcher. You can really see it on the mound. I haven't seen much of him because he's just drafted. He's been pitching pro ball, but just looking at the mechanics, athletic good stuff. Like we didn't even talk about their first round pick yet this year. Uh, that's pretty nuts. And I think it's a testament to just, you know, how good this system is. What about the other first round pick from not too long ago as well, from a couple of years ago, Cody Hosey. What, what a disappointment because yeah, I watched him in the NECBL. He was wonderful. I mean, that's not the best competition in the world. After that follows it up with the ridiculous year he had at Tulane it was a bad year for Cody Hosey last year. I'm not saying give up on the guy, but, I mean, this was a first-round pick that was among the – did he lead the nation in home runs? If not, he was top three. I think he did. I, the, I looked at him. I was like, this guy is just a good bat to ball too. Like, And then we see him in 59 games in Double A, and he hits two home runs. Uh, and then he goes to the fall league, and he was not good either. It's time to get worried about Cody Hosey.
0: It is. Um, Same way you would worry about who. Um, As a White Sox fan, I I like saying Berger in that, but Berger was dealing with injury. Jose has just been dealing with underperformance. So
1: he was a little banged up, but like,
0: yeah. I mean, dude, 188, 241, 245. Okay. so they miss on they miss on one of like the 20 guys that we talked about.
1: But I'm saying is the point is, is like, is he did they miss? Is he is he like, I think he didn't. Are we? Yeah. I mean, he got blown up by fastballs, which was that was the most concerning part. Like he was getting blown up by fastballs. And when you're getting a, a I mean, Tulane's really good this year. They're always pretty decent, but they're not playing the SEC every
0: day. They're not the American athletic conference is not a great baseball conference.
1: No. And then you said it Um, and uh, you're right. And, they're not, he's not facing 95, 96 day in and day out. And I think it was, it was a little bit of a, a gap in, in the scouting here on, on Cody Hosey. And I, they went with the college bat and it just didn't work out. Honestly, they've been a little bit, a little bit interesting with the recent draft picks. Uh, Jake Vogel, another one that, you know, really fast, really athletic high school guy. I I, I didn't like the pick then and Vogel struggled a lot too. Um, it, it's been interesting with some of the bats. They do well, IFA bat wise, but draft wise, uh, They've been really good in the past. I mean, they have one of the best draft classes we've ever seen, Uh, but some of those early picks the last couple of years, interesting. And it'll be interesting to follow. Vogel's got plenty of time to figure things out too. And I think they're just going with a really good athlete there. Uh, But a lot of
0: late round steals and a lot of other guys that I know you really like. Uh, Who else is on your mind? Well, college bat that they might've somewhat hit on is Carson Taylor, switch it and catcher out of Virginia tech. He's got a little bit of a pop in there. He's got some line drive power in there too. And his bat to ball is decent. Um, he also is a very solid defensive catcher. We saw that at vatech and then we saw it um, at the higher, lower levels of minor league baseball, yeah. higher, lower levels, higher, just like lower. High A, right? Yeah. So I'd never heard anybody say that, but we can roll with that. Higher level. Right. Yeah. So let's say, let's say low a and high, a Carson Taylor was um, he, he was pretty solid, but High school draftee, Brandon Lewis, we've talked about him cutting weight. I mean, this guy was checking in your three bills. He's down to around 250. Three bills and is got, crazy. The guy was a monster. Dude. Monster. But he's got thump. I mean, he hit 30 bombs this year. He was top 10 in all of minor league baseball in home runs this year. Brandon Lewis can be, um, he's, he's listed as a corner infielder. I think he's a first baseman D.H., but when you hit 30, you hit 30. So I think Brandon Lewis can be that guy that hits 30 to 35 homers. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you. And like the, the, the
1: pop is crazy. And as a guy that was, you know, he was a fourth round pick in 2019, uh, 285, 300 pounds is a high schooler It's nuts. Uh, but I, I think just, just to see what he has done, uh, In early results, it's just a big dude that, again, I think people were scared of because you're like, okay, where do we stick him defensively? And he's almost three bills or it's three bills. But, I mean, the bat is is playing, and there's no reason to believe that the bat won't continue to play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yorbit Vivas, another guy that I want to talk about. I like Vivas. Vivas is cut from a similar cloth to a Deese Leonard, um, where it's pretty solid bat-to-ball, some power, um, can play a bunch of different places on the field. What have you seen with Vivas, if anything?
1: I, what I like about Vivas is it's just it's just high floor. I, I love having some high floor guys that can play all over the infield, that can put the bat on the ball. And, you know, I think Leonard's got a higher ceiling, but Vivas has that that higher floor and I think a little bit more. Uh, defensive ability outside of shortstop. I, you know, I think that the fact Vivas probably can't play too much shortstop. That's the difference, but I I like Vivas as the higher floor guy. Leonard could be legit top 50 prospect if he puts it all together. So that's kind of the difference, but Vivas to me seems higher floor. And I, and I like that. How much of him did you see
0: uh, in person in high A? I saw a decent amount of Vivas in high a, um, and I liked the swing a lot. I like the swing that is conducive to hard singles doubles and 15 to 20 homers. Yeah. I was honestly surprised by the power output. Um,
1: I mean, when we saw that kind of take a hit in well, or in high a, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see more vivas. I, I think that's a guy that could continue to develop and, uh, yeah, you know, he he out punches his frame at five ten one one seventy. He's probably a little bit heavier than that at this point, right? Like one eighty, but he still out punches the frame. Uh, and he's young. He's young. He's only twenty one. Has that success? And, and guess how much he was signed for, Jack?
0: Uh, three hundred grand. Three hundred
1: grand. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the magic that number for these guys. That is the that magic is the magic number. number. But that's another guy. Uh, last, definite honorable mention for sure.
0: Perfect. Uh, last guy that I want to mention is James Outman, who yep. is speedy outfielder. Uh, he's a left handed bat. Yeah. Yeah, he's a left-handed bat. Good build. 6'3", 215, 21 for 23 in stolen bases in the front half and high A. They had the pickoff rule there. But listen, 21 bags is 21 bags, regardless of what umpires are enforcing on pitchers in their pickoff. The the K rate was high for a guy that has middling to, you know, maybe ever so slightly above average power. He was right around 30% with the K rate, but he walked a ton. And when you walk a ton, it can steal bases. I'm all for it. I'm okay if you strike out a little more than typical, but he hit 18 homers across high A and double A as a very athletic center fielder.
1: He has to say sticks in center, which takes some risk off the profile, right? Because if you can stick in center, uh, you know, you don't have to be as impactful of a power bat. Um, You know, he's not a guy that chases a ton. I want to see how he continues to develop because Altman, He wasn't that good in college. Like this is where the Dodgers feast, a West Coast Sac State guy. Sacramento State was not that good. I think he was like a 250 hitter in college. They saw things that they liked. They saw the tools that they liked and and they took a chance on him. And and he's been pretty darn good so far. When we had the the interview with Anthony Mulrine, you know, catching prospect with the Angels, who was just in the fall league he said Outman was one of the guys that really stood out to him. Outman was, was a really impressive player. Uh, What I like about Outman is you look at the swing and miss. That's a little bit concerning, but he hits lefties. uh, And and that's, what's really, really encouraging OPS above 800 against both lefties and righties that will continue to translate. And that tells me that the guy's got an ability to hit. So I think he still has to iron out some, some approach things, but if you have a hole in your swing or something, that's usually exposed more left on left. And that's part of the reason why you'll see, you know, a higher K rate. He's fine against lefties, so I think he's going to continue to work it out. This guy could be a pretty solid center fielder. I don't know if it's with the Dodgers. This could be another trade piece for them. But Outman, if he gets off to a good start again this year, he was good in Double A. He was he produced. If he's good in Double A AA or Triple A this coming season, probably a trade piece and and one that you know I think is is a pretty pretty decent piece to be able to package as a second or third uh, asset in a deal.
0: They can go win right now and they are set up well to win over the next 10 years.
1: Yeah. And welcome. Welcome to the world of of the Dodgers. Another name, Wilman Diaz, not too much on him, but when it comes to rookie ball guys that I've seen the tools stand out a little bit more with Diaz as a shortstop. Uh, And then Ryan Noda, I was telling you about it. Ryan Noda has done nothing but hit his entire minor league career, whether it was with Toronto now with uh, the Dodgers absolutely is just raked at every single level. Ryan noticed somebody that I just don't know why he doesn't get more love. I mean, the WRC plus, I think in his minor league career has to be like 160 at this point. He hit 29 jacks last year. He's done absolutely everything at every level to just continue to mash. Probably more of a DH type 15th round pick out of the University of Cincinnati. Uh, But the dude just crushes baseball as he did it again last year with 29 more jacks at the double A level.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know anything about Ryan Nota. Again, I'm telling you, I know nothing about Ryan Nota. But you know what? If you like him and he constantly mashes, I'm, I've i got his fan graphs page up right now. Here for it. Let's go.
1: 411 on base, 69
0: homers. Oh, wait, that's kind of funny. 69 homers in 420 minor league games. Update for you. Four minutes ago from John Haven or John Heyman, Uh, the Minnesota Twins back in need of a shortstop and with money to spend have checked in on Trevor's story. You were on that arm. Hey, there we go. There we go. It just makes so much sense. It makes so much sense.
1: Uh, I don't want this to be lost on, you know, 69 homers and 420 professional
0: games for Ryan. Noda. No way. Yeah. For Noda? 69 and 420. I think he's my new favorite player. Sorry. Eddie he's, he's sliding,
1: sliding into 10 here. <laughs> uh, maybe. So, he's good, man. He, he is pretty nice with it. So Noda, though, legitimately is a name to watch. 25 years old, probably going to be 26 by the time the season starts. But these University of Cincinnati guys can swing it. Guest of the, the the call up podcast before, Joey Weimer, another dude that can freaking swing it. Might have to ask him about Noda next time we talk. Uh, but the guy can play. He was also a Brewster Whitecap, by the way. He just predated you in 2016. Uh, but hit, what hit five on Jacks for on Earth. Brewster. Come on, you don't know Ryan Noda. He's he's a sneaky guy here. Sneaky. Yeah, guy. my bad, guys. No, no one in the world knows who Ryan Noda is. Um, but. They will soon. That's a guy that I think might end up kind of slotting in. I was shocked at some of the players that broke through for the Dodgers last year. So Noda could be one of those guys, but twins, please go sign Trevor story. That'd be cool. I'm loving this uh, fake uh, competition that we're seeing from some of these teams. The nationals really gearing up with Andy ball, Sanchez, Aaron Sanchez, uh, Nelson Cruz, a lot of good deals, but we're going to see some trades. (laughs) We're going to see some trades go down too. Um, I'm going to talk about some of these deals on friday but uh, definitely you and i will be talking about some of these deals on monday as well we talked about it on the just baseball show so for those that are looking for some prospect analysis the deals weren't that deep so like we wouldn't we weren't going to spend a whole episode on chase petty uh but we did talk about him on the just baseball show and some of the trades that we saw already so if you want to hear a little bit about the prospect trades go check out the most recent episode of the JB show that also came out today. Uh, But for the blockbuster trades, you can expect us to be breaking down the prospect returns as well on, on here, as well as the just baseball show Uh, with the free agency frenzy, definitely balance between and trade frenzy now between these two shows, uh, as well as our free agency thread and trade thread and just hot stove thread that we got going on uh, at the website over at just
0: baseball.com as well. Jack, any final thoughts on this Dodgers system? It's deep. Uh, There's some top end talent here. They got rid of the top end talent with Ruiz in the Turner and Scherzer deal, but I am lower on Ruiz than a lot of people typically are. Um, And I think that Bobby Miller is a top 50 prospect in baseball. I understand that people are low. Uh, That is not his fault. That's the Dodgers fault for not throwing him more than 70 pitches. Bobby Miller has top flight, you know, top of the rotation type stuff. Cartaya is a phenomenal lottery ticket I'd buy that lottery ticket over a lot of others Uh, and then you've just got a bunch of pure hitters scattered around this top 10 and honorable mentions.
1: And then a bunch of other really talented arms. And then, yeah, yeah it's just it's just crazy. Eddie's Leonard, probably the biggest name to watch, I'd say, moving forward in this system as a guy that could just kind of leapfrog uh, from from where he was. Us debating if he fits in in the back end or in the middle. to like, wow, why did we ever debate that type of thing? Wouldn't be yeah. surprised to see Leonard make that jump. Vivas, probably not as much helium, but another guy that could comfortably be in the top 10 very, very soon. That's it for this system. Uh, another interesting update. And uh, by the next time we talk, hopefully the top 100 will be done. I've been just absolutely grinding through this thing and making a lot of progress. So very excited uh, to, to finalize that quite soon. Uh, the Dodgers system as a whole, some of these guys in the back end have been some difficult decisions for me if, as to whether they crack it. Michael Bush, Ryan Peppio. those are all names that will be considered at the back end that we'll have to really think about. Even Eddie's Leonard at this point. I think is is worth thinking about. Uh, and obviously that will translate into how we power rank those guys in this update for the Dodger system as well. As always, thank you for listening. We'll have another system for you on Monday or, 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 or it could be a top 100 breakdown depending on how quickly I can fly through this thing. Speaking of fly, I'm going to go drive relatively quickly, but still within the range of the speed limit over to Jupiter to go see Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, and Marlon's prospects square off against each other. So I'm going to go do that now. I'll have some video and some information and some write-ups on those guys, and we'll talk about that for sure in the next episode, Jack, because I'm about to see the muscle hamster in Francisco Alvarez. I love that. So sick. So sick. I mean, he's actually going to hit a ball about 400 feet. If he doesn't, I'm going to be pissed because that's viral. Instant viral video right there. Instant the viral. Call. Instant viral. Uh, Jason Dominguez can pop up straight in the air and it's viral too. So we'll see what happens, but thank you for listening. We'll talk prospects with you on Wednesday.